Welcome to Real World, a podcast from Stumo West for soon-to-be college graduates and young professionals who desire to walk faithfully with Jesus in the real world. I'm Dave Matthews, your host for this episode, and we have the privilege of sitting down with Kosti Hinn for part three of our series on what is the church. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about what do you do once you find a church, how do you get involved? Okay, so I'm a young adult guy. I've just graduated college. I've found my good church. I've found a church that is biblical and has good fruit and is doing all these things. As I show up though, what should my initial role be? Like if I show up on the door for maybe for you, if you had a guy show up on your door and said, Hey, I'm, I'm a guy, I come from this parachurch ministry. How can I get plugged in? What would you tell him? Yeah, I think I'll give you internal, external. So internally as a pastor, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm like, praise God. Look at this guy. He's excited, passionate, wants in. That's awesome. Because many times you deal with people that are sort of like, well, I'm just here. Like, and you're like, okay, you want to mobilize them. So a, a primed, warmed up, fired up dude is great. Or dudette, gal. Great. <laughs> awesome. Praise God for you. Like a father in a family who gets a knock at the door from a young, studly, fit, hardworking guy with a Bible in one hand and his, you know, a, a bouquet of flowers in the other to, to come take my daughter out. Mm-hmm. I'm here, sir. If you only knew where I come from, who my father is, who my mother is, and the kind of stock that is at the foot of your door. I'm here. I know you've been praying for a son-in-law like me. I'm like, <laughs> listen, dude, I love the confidence. You even parked on the street and not my driveway. You didn't honk. And you knocked at my door to come and shake my hand. You got flowers in a Bible. I love it. Now listen, give the flowers to my wife. We'll put them in a vase. Put your Bible down for a second. I want to get to know you. That's the conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to know you. We're a family. There are unique people, unique needs. There's a vision and a mission. And it's a biblical one. And I'm sure we align on that. But there are a wide range of sheep here. And you come in and you go, well, I got this system and I, I got this and I do this and I do. That's awesome. And I'm sure you'll do that at some point, no doubt. But I want to know you. And in our church, we have a little acronym. We want everybody wearing a hat. It's humble, available, teachable. We say we want you to be humble. If you can't be humble, well, you're not going to be a very good foot washer or a towel carrier. You just want a title. So we say, are you chasing a title or a towel? John the Baptist set up, man. That mentality, whoo, so good for the soul from the people to the pastor altogether. Available means you're willing to give your time. And if you're humble, then you're going to do that humbly. And then teachable because good night. If you know everything, we're all in trouble. If I know everything, we're all in trouble. We're always learning. Leaders are learners. Leaders are readers. The best leaders are people who have been the best followers. If you can't be trusted with you know, authority, it's usually because you haven't really learned to follow authority and authority figures see that and they go, he's going to be trouble. If you give him the helm, he's going to run the ship however he wants and run it aground. So you want to see that. And also it's a test. If somebody has that much gifting and that much passion as a pastor, I am thinking, huh, is this an elder or a deacon? Is this a future church leader here? Well, what does Paul say about them? So I'm actually not even, you know, Oh, this guy wants something. Get out of here. I'm not pessimistic. I'm optimistic. Aspiration is one of the first qualifications of a church leader. So I want passion. Paul says, let the deacons be tested first. Mm -hmm. You are to entrust these truths, he tells Timothy, to faithful men who in turn will teach others. So I want to see if you're faithful. So you give somebody a small task or you say, hey, awesome. Come to our next membership class 
or absolutely, let me put you in touch with someone who can get you through our next step. And you're watching to see if somebody scowls. Like, Do they even realize who I am? I'm Stumo's <laughs> best and brightest. Like they're lucky that if I should be on staff here, they mm-hmm. just don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. That attitude, you're already canceled out. Mm. So you want to see that as a pastor. I remember, I'll just personalize it, flip it on you for a second. I remember the first Sunday I ever met you, you and Adrian came up and so kind and sweet and gracious and introduced yourself. And you're like, yeah, it's just awesome. And there's this humility and kindness and big smiles and loving and gracious. And I went, that's awesome. And then you're like, yeah, is there, you know, anyway, we just have such a passion. You started with that. You didn't say, here's what we can do. You said, we just have such a passion for the next generation. Is there anywhere we can serve or help or just bring value or even just learn and kind of see what you guys do and, and just be a part that approach passed. And I was the guy in charge of next gen. I was like, yes. We actually are doing this thing on Thursday. You want you come out. You're like, we'll be there. And you were there. And very early on, we got involved together. Why? Because everything that you were given, I never saw a lot of pompous. Oh, here. Oh, here's here. Now Dave's coming out. Oh God, here it is now. Here's the big shot. It was this humble, gracious, teachable, available partnership. And instead of going after my job or some top spot or acting like a hot shot, you went after the hearts of people. You met with guys. You went to lunch. You asked for nothing. So when it came time to plant a church, I'm like, hey, dude, you want to do some next gen? Like, yeah, I'll do whatever. And then I was like, hey, you want to do high school as well? You're like, not really my forte, but I'll serve. Like, it was, I'll do whatever. And that attitude, brother, whether it's at Shepherd's House or wherever the Lord's going to take you, he'll take you far because you stay low. He'll exalt the humble. He'll give grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. So the Mm -hmm. the challenge for all of us and for you who are listening and for the Stumo best and brightest, I'm sure you're out there. I love it. And I'm pumped to to follow you on Instagram one day and be your fanboy because you're a superstar in the body of Christ. Maybe we'll get some of Mountain Phoenix. We'll come to Shepherd's house. There you go. (laughs) You know, praise God for you. Stay low, stay humble, stay faithful because to whom much has been given, much is required. And then Jesus says to his disciples, when you've done all you could do, you're, you're awesome. No, you've done only what you ought to do. Oh man. man. So now I'm actually just a, a vessel. I'm a clay pot. So remember, yes, how gifted you are and how much God will use you. Sure. On your tough days, remember God's using you, but also remember that you and I, no matter how awesome everyone says we are, we are clay pots. Paul calls us earthen vessels. So scriptures are authority, which means no matter what you want to be called, you're an earthen vessel. And those pots they had back then were cheap, breakable, replaceable. So he empties us of ourselves, empties Dave of Dave, Costi of Costi, and all of us of us. He fills us with him for his glory, overflows us into the people around us. And then when he's done, he moves the pot over, brings another one in. And that's why the old quote, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten, is so helpful. No one's going to care who you are in a hundred years or me. And someone out there is like, no, not me, though. I'm going to be in church history. Well, God bless you. I don't want to be. I just want to live my life and serve the Lord and win at home. And so hopefully that attitude permeates all of us. That's what I would be pumped on. Mm -hmm. And truly, that's the guy who gets hired. That's the guy who ends up getting asked by the church, hey, you've been really faithful. Would you be willing to take, because I can trust you. And yeah, totally. Now we're talking. I love that. Man, it's so good because I think 
yeah, we coming out of a, a leadership organization have this tendency to, like you said, like, hey, Stumo's lucky to have, or uh, the church is lucky to have me. I don't know, I did this thing in Stumo and whatever. But um, with that, I, I had a thought, like, help me understand the life of a pastor in, in that realm. Because yeah. just as a little bit of background, like coming from the Stumo world, the expectation, or a lot of other parachurch ministries, it's, hey, I'm involved. I have this tight-knit group, tight-knit group of guys. There's a guy on staff who's been discipling me. I meet with him for an hour and a half, two mm -hmm. hours every week, and then we might go play golf some weekends. Yeah. Like, should that be my expectation if I'm coming to a church and I go to the head pastor, mm -hmm. like, hey, I'd love for you to, to disciple me. Yeah. How, how should, how, what should our expectations be? Yeah, totally. That's a great question. I look at the pastoral epistles and see the model of Timothy and of Titus and even of Paul to their life. And I see a lot of patterns that are revolving around teaching, preaching, uh, be an example in life and conduct. Like Timothy's told, let no one look down on your youth, but be an example of, you know, conduct, speech, purity. So I see some exemplary leadership, which means you're around the people and they're aware of you. And then you see a lot of, like I've already said it a couple of times, entrust these truths to faithful men who in turn will be able to teach others, uh, instruct these things, preach the word, do the work of an evangelist, endure hardship, be sober-minded. You, you see these patterns of pouring in to people from the word. And so I think it's not fair to expect of pastors to be our, our best buddies mm -hmm. and like hangout dudes. And so don't be offended when you're like, Hey man, you want to paintball with us this weekend? And he's like, nah, man, I can't. You're like, Oh, he's, he's not a community guy. Well, yeah, he probably is, but he, he's going to be with his family or make a disciple in his home. Or I think of that. I have four kids. My wife's pregnant with our fifth and I'm going, I got a son who's almost eight. I've got a job to do with him. Hmm. If I fail in my home, then you can, you can lose your ministry, but keep your family, but you can't lose your family and keep your ministry. One of the qualifications of an elder is managing his household well. So imagine this, I go say yes to everyone, but I say no to my family. Yeah. I am unqualified. Now we're in trouble. And you're, and you're pastoring, you know, 100, 200, some pastors, 500, 1,000 yep. people. You literally can't say yes to everyone. No, but to everyone who came up and said, oh, you know, disciple me. I can't, yep. <laughs> you know? So what I would look for is I'm looking for, and this is going to seem biased, but please hear my heart as a pastor. I'm looking for humble, teachable, available. And then I would add one more skilled. I have a friend who calls this fast. We mm -hmm. use hat, humble, teachable, available, or humble, available, teachable. He calls them fast people, faithful, available, skilled, and teachable. When it comes to who gets more of my time, I'm looking for people with some skills, some gifting, because I'm going to pour into them give them my best so that I can invite some more leaders to the plow and we can multiply. Mm -hmm. That's multiplication. It's not, Hey, come follow me. And then nothing. It's, Hey, come follow me. Let's serve. Let me pour into you. And then now stop looking at me, stand beside me and let's do this together. And I'll offer it's, it's the old, you know, uh, what is it? You, I do, you watch, I do, you help you do. I watch you do, or you do. I help you do. I watch you do. Right. You, it's, you, you join people together, they learn, then you deploy them. So I think that's the part that I would want a lot of Stumo guys and gals to understand is come under a ministry in a church and get yourself attached to some sort of leader or someone there and, and then learn and grow. And maybe even one of the best ways to approach a pastor who's busy is to go, hey, I'm asking for an opportunity to, to meet with you for, with some, t some of your time. I'm asking you to pour into my life a little bit. Here's what I promise. I won't waste your time. 
I am not asking for this to be a long-term thing. I would like three months, or if you'd be willing to give me a monthly checkpoint for the first year, I want to get involved in students or junior high or children's, or I want to be able to help here and there. I'll pour my life into the ministry. I just want your guidance, your teaching. I'll come with questions prepared, and then I'll get into that field, pastor, and I'll keep on plowing with you. You at 19 to 24 approach a pastor that way, if I would be shocked, shocked. Like I'm telling you right now, our church has cleared 400 this last week. I'll give someone my time. I'll find a slot. I'll go, hey, every two weeks, meet me at this coffee shop. I'll give you 60 minutes. Come with the questions. If you need more, there's email. You're willing to jump in. I'll get in with you, brother. And then I get to tell my wife, hey, I'm going to take a little extra time with this. It's out of my schedule, yada, yada. But here's the approach. She'd be like, pour into that man. That's that's a partner in ministry right there. Praise God. Pastors are logical. They're looking to see, are you a time thief who's all about you? Or are you someone who's looking to steward your life and pour into what Jesus died for? Amen, man. Yeah, that's, I love that. And I couldn't have said it better myself. If you're graduating, you're heading toward a church, show up to your pastor, say that no pastor in his right mind is going to go, no, I don't want you here. He's going to go, oh, you're willing to like plug in and serve. You're a member. That's a whole other thing we could talk about is don't just attend a church, be a member, let the church know you, et cetera. But if you show up like that and asking a pastor, I want to serve, put me to work. Here's what I think I can do. I'll meet with you whenever you want and be willing to meet with the pastor on his schedule. Don't say, Oh, I'm only free, you know, after work on Thursdays, he's going to go, well, I'm hanging with my wife then. And then you go back and say, well, the pastor doesn't have any time for me. (laughs) You know, it's like, no, you, he, he's shepherding all these people. You fit into his schedule. Mm. That's good. good. Okay. So kind of switching gears a little bit. Yeah. Um, if I'm thinking through me being involved in my church, I'm a young professional, I'm working at an engineering firm. For, for instance, yep. how much of my time in ministry should be directly tied to my church? Like, is the substance of my ministry just inviting people to church? Should I be having my own Bible study going on at my work, et cetera? How much has to, does the church need to be directly involved with? Ooh, that's a good question. We're into biblical priorities now. Come on. Uh, it depends who you are. So if you're single, you got a lot of time on your hands, you are in a great spot to be faithful. You don't need to sit around and be like, oh, I wish I was married or I need to wait for my spouse. No, 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 no. Get to work, get serving, get going. That's awesome. What a great position to be in, to have a job or be in school and then to have time. I'm not going to call it free time or extra time because we all have the same time, Mm -hmm. 24 hours in a day. Well, use that time now to pour into the church. So we should see, this is just my thought based on what the Bible says are our priorities. We should see a lot of single young people thriving and involved and serving in the church. At our church, we're seeing that. It's wildly fun to see every Sunday, even the older people in our congregation who serve and are part of it too, are like, man, where all these young people come from? I'm like, I, they're just plugging in. They're, they're, they're getting after it. Um, and so there's a lot there. How much of your time? Well, for a single person, a lot. Plug in, be a part. For married folks, you have a call to please your spouse. Now we're into 1 Corinthians 7. So Paul also so says those who are married should live as though they're not. What he's saying is not abandon your spouse. He's saying keep the gospel in mind. So look at your life priorities. Is the gospel prevalent in my life? Yes. Okay. Am I using my time, my talents, my treasure to pour into gospel ministry? Well, yes, but not in this way. Okay, then make an adjustment for that. If somebody 
you know, works a ton. I can give examples. I'm sure you could too. I talked to a person recently and they're like, I really just feel spiritually dry. I said, well, talk to me about your schedule. And then, well, I work, I'm working right now seven days a week. And then after that, I'm tired and just, I'm trying to get to church. Well, I'm like, well, your whole life is built around mm-hmm. work. So you're making great money and you have a job, but no wonder you're exhausted and you feel spiritually dry. Well, you're not drinking from the well of living water and you're not plugged into the source. So, Whoever you are out there, you know already when you look at your life, if you are young, you're single, or you're married, you don't have kids, or you have you have that ability, you're going to have two options. The world tells you, go to the river, go to the mountains, go do you, go hang, get yourself having fun. And the Bible calls you as a follower of Christ to look at that calendar, and if you were to weigh it on a scale, it should lean one side a little more than the other gospel local church work doesn't mean it has to slam to the ground you're never allowed to have fun no gym time 6 a.m you get a bible study no it, there's balance but if your life is leaning local church man i love that mm-hmm. i'm like yes go if your life is leaning recreation fun me hang and then oh yeah we got to dip in church a little bit well that scale needs to be adjusted and then now move to maybe you're young you're here you're, you're listening you're married you have a kid you got married young whatever well Win at home, win in your marriage, and then bring the family along with some gospel ministry work. And maybe that's serving at your church together, or it is leading a small group after the kids are down. I think of your life, Dave, you and Adrian, right? Thursday nights, you're leading a group and you're in a small group and you're part of Stumo. Life is kind of ministry for you. Uh, Sundays, you're there. There's, there's a rhythm of life and you guys don't have kids yet. And so you've used your time very well. And I see the Lord honoring that and I go, great. You could totally play more beer league softball or whatever. You've chosen not to. And I think like when Mary was at the feet of Jesus and Martha was all busy with all her things, just by principle, he said, Mary's chosen the right thing, won't be taken from her. Just brother to brother, this was in the script. But I think you and Adrian, you're choosing the right thing right now. And I don't know how the Lord blesses that. I'm not saying you're going to be rich and famous or you're going to be healthy and wealthy. I just, he blesses it in ways that are beyond. So you who are listening to this and you're deciding right now that fork in the road, who am I going to be? What am I going to be like? If you weigh the scales heavier on what Christ's agenda is, biblical priorities, you are going to be beyond blessed in whatever way he chooses, but blessed beyond measure. And we're seeing that. I'm sure other people are. That'd be my challenge to people. Such a good thought, dude. Okay, so j- just a r- maybe a few more kind of rapid hip fire questions. What would you say to the young adult person, the Stumo grad, it's a, for instance, who says, hey, this church is great. They just don't have anything for me. Like I'm a young adult. They don't have a good young adults ministry. I don't know if I want to go to that church. Like, what is that a valid excuse? Is that a thing that we should be looking for? What should a young adult even be looking for, et cetera? All right. My take on this is to take the word young out of it. You are an adult. (laughs) Let's go. I am so over the silos. Not that we can't have ministries Mm -hmm. for, we have it at our church. We have next gen young adult, college young adult. But do you remember we were in a small group together Tuesday mornings. Now you lead your own. I lead one. We're all in different ones and multiplying. Do you remember a 21 year old Mikey and 82-year-old Ken. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? 60-year gap. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite illustrations ever. 
tells me everything I need to know about the kind of church that we're forming or I want to see forming that the Lord's doing. They're both adults. So what we were watching is the young and old plugging in together. Uh, We saw this recently. There was a group of gals that said, hey, we're really loving plugging in on Thursday nights. We're having a great time. We're also looking for a small group, something smaller, because there's like 50 of you guys now. And we want to dig in with some older ladies who would pour into our life, kind of a Titus two approach. And so they found like, you know, a couple ladies in the church and they're going to go through a Bible study on a different day, different night. And so when someone, when you're looking at a church, you go, well, there's nothing here for me as a young adult. I think we need to reverse engineer things, go back to the definition and go, okay, first of all, take the word young off and then take the word me out, except when referring to, okay, how am I going to grow here Mm -hmm. or where, you know, does this help me grow as a believer? I know that's uncomfortable for people in our day days because it's all, it's like, oh, they're the best young adults ministry all college. Like, and that's fine. I'm not down on that. But in many contexts around our country, they don't have young adults ministry. They don't have a, a Dave leading out in these ways. They're just a church, a group of people. And you are a young person in age, but you are an adult. So we say at our church to the younger generation, you aren't the future of the church. You are the church. So we put them to put them to work. We put them in ministry. We help them lead out and they're doing things. So don't, this is so cheesy because it's the old, whatever that old statement by that former president, but don't ask what your country can do for you, but what you could do for your country. And I would say, don't ask what your church can do for you but ask what you can do for your church. Mm. Maybe you're the start of a discipleship emphasis for young adults, or maybe not. And God doesn't bring you 50 and you're not the next, you know, Billy Graham at your church. Maybe you're a 21 year old who just got the opportunity to start their journey early in life. And you are faithfully serving alongside the 78 year old woman who's the greeter and she's been there 45 years. Praise God. We're a body young and old together. So we got to be careful and thoughtful in the modern era. Like, where's my thing? I need my single group. I need my young adults thing. I need my divorcees thing. I need my basket weaving, motorcycling. And like, I'm all down. Go do those things. Go ride your cycle. Go on a road trip. Send me photos. Praise God. Go hang young adults but you're the church. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Yeah. Amen, man. And I, I, there's a lot I could add in there, but I think a lot of people show up to church expecting it to be a fraternity or a sorority for them yeah, and just fine. a social like, hey, it's going to have something for me. And if it doesn't have my community, I'm not there. Mm. You know, that's, that's not the one for me. I'm going to go where I can have friends and community. And not that you shouldn't find those things at church, but you don't get to determine church by those things. Because even the question, hey, my church has nothing for me. I go, okay, well, hold on, let's back that up. What does your church have? It's like, well, it has faithful preaching of the word. It has a God glorifying worship. It's got good doctrine. It's got all those things that go, okay, so those things aren't for you. Like, <laughs> you know what I, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, like n- none of those things are, are good for you. It's like, well, they have those things, but I really need something else. Like, oh, you, you need something else besides the Bible and good doctrine and good teaching to have a good church. You see what I'm saying? So I it, totally do. Yeah. And so it paints, it shows the, like the self-centeredness, the self seeking attitude is which someone comes to church. And yep. so not saying it's bad to look for those things, but if you are no. passing up on a God glorifying church listener, 
because it doesn't have the perfect young adult group where all the people that are young adults there look like you, talk like you, dress like you, et cetera. That's a whole other thing we could go into is, hey, how are your relationships going to look different with different people in the church? Yeah, Yeah, that's, again, the the point being, hey, there's things that are important for a church. Should you be looking for things that just serve you? That's not wrong to have things that serve Mm -hmm. you. You should be built up and grown and matured in the church. But be careful that your attitude doesn't become self-seeking and that you're devaluing the things that are really important about a church because of that. Let me add one more illustration. I just thought of this now. I know with Stumo, I'm sure... You guys know JP, Jonathan McCluda, mm-hmm. good buddy of mine, Todd Wagner, Watermark, some of that. I mean, guys, people know about them. One of the funnest stories ever uh, was Todd. I was talking to JP and Todd, and I was like, hey, so the porch is like 4,000 or 3,000, whatever it is on Tuesday nights. And then really with the online mm-hmm. and the, the campuses and the other outposts, it's like fifteen to 17,000. I think JP told me once. And I was like, all right, how do you, how do you navigate that? And Todd's like, dude, and JP's laughing. And the, the goal was how many of them are plugging into the church. Mm-hmm. The metric was not, oh, cool. You got three, three, 4,000 of them in the room. Awesome. Look at our young adults college thing. Look at the porch. Look at Shane and Shane's leading worship. What's up? Yeah, that's, that's great. And all that's good. The metric was, okay, how many of them are plugging into the body? And that's a good sobering illustration that, and, and, a, and I'm grateful that even at larger churches, so remember big is not bad. What's the goal is the goal. Like we got our thing or we are a part of the church. This is a wonderful vehicle for stirring us up and praise God if you have it or you don't. But the goal or the metric was how many of them are plugging into the body, not how many of them are coming to hang with their friends. Dude, I love that. Such a good thought and such a good point that that should be really the driving force of time behind any of these things. If you're looking for that in your church, it's, hey, is it just a vehicle for you to plug in and be a part of the body? Well, dude, there's so many other things we could, I'm sure, have you talk about. And thank you for what you have said. It's been super edifying, super helpful. Do you have any final thoughts if you could leave, you know, the recent graduate with something as he's looking for a church, heading towards the church, building his own conviction for the importance of the church? What exhortation would you give him? Yeah. Or her? Uh, thinking of a Jim Elliott quote, the missionary who lost his life, uh, he said, wherever you are, be all there. So go plug into a local church and be all there for as long as you're there and as long as God would use you. Go all in. Be humble. Embrace the humility that it brings to your life and go all in and serve the Lord. The church is God's gift to us. Uh, even though that we are gifted, we want to be careful not to see ourselves as the gift to the church. Uh, gifts are for glory, but not our own, Amen. for the glory of God. Amen, man. Well, thank you so much, Costi, for coming on. It's been a pleasure having you. If you guys don't know who Costi is, check him out on Instagram. Check him out on social media. Check out forthegospel.org. Uh, if you're looking for a good place to find good biblical resources on theology, on what it means to uh, walk with God, what are some other good topics you have on the site right now, some recent ones? We've got singleness. We've got a dating courtship series on the Song of Solomon. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got an episode last week on our podcast on pornography. We're just going everywhere all over the map. And then the next week it might be on like how to study the Bible. So everything, life and practice following Jesus. I love it, man. Yeah. Check them out on social media and it's for the gospel.org. Yep. If you want to learn more. So thank you so much, brother. Love you, man. Pumped to have you on. And um, yeah, I'll see you on Sunday.